As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter 1. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy-to-read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Ask NT Write Anything podcast. Welcome back to the show. Another dose of unadulterated Tom Wright goodness coming your way. On today's edition of the programme, we're going to be looking at the subject of other religions. I'm Justin Briley, the man who gets to sit down with Tom Wright on a regular basis to pick his brains and ask your questions. Here on the show, brought to you by Premier in partnership with SBCK and NT Wright Online. And it's been great to get some of your feedback as well to the show. I've read out uh, in previous episodes some of the reviews that have been left for the podcast. Here's some of what's come in on my own Twitter, though. People getting in touch with me uh, to tell me what they thought of the show. Tim said, I know it's rather typical these days for an American white male millennial pastor to love Professor Tom Wright, but I've truly been blessed by the podcast with Justin. Deep wisdom and remarkable humility. Worth a listen. I assume you're talking about Tom there rather than me. Uh, Tim, good to hear from you, though. Um, Ben got in touch to say, really enjoying Tom Wright and Justin's podcast, the Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcast. Super insightful stuff, much of which I haven't heard before, even on the more commonly discussed topics. And Adam said he was shocked to learn that N.T. Wright loves Sibelius. Was relieved to hear that it's not the third century heretic, but the Finnish composer. And finally, uh, Dean, who's an Australian listener and is in touch occasionally, says he really enjoys it whenever Tom Wright drops into his podcast feed, but says, could you ask Tom where he scored those croissants? Look at the size of those puppies, house bricks. And Dean's referring there, of course, to some of the video clips that we release uh, from the show from time to time there, in which you can see some of the food and refreshments that are laid on between us as we uh, record these podcasts. Yes, uh, they were particularly large croissants, as you say, Dean. If you want to catch more videos, by the way, from the Ask N.T. Write Anything podcast, we do uh, release them on a regular basis, so you can go and check them all out at the website, askntwrite.com. You also get bonus video content and other special offers if you sign up there at askntwrite.com to the newsletter. Well, as I said, today's episode is on other religions. Now, that's a topic we'll also be tackling at our unbelievable conference coming up very soon on Saturday, the 20th of July in London. 13 international thinkers, including people like Krish Kandaya, Christy Mayer, Bruxy Cavey, and many more speaking truth in a post-truth world. Go and check it out. Get yourself booked in if you'd like to be there on the day. PremierChristianRadio.com forward slash unbelievable conference and i'll make sure there's a link in the info from today's podcast and we're currently running another book giveaway on the show three signed copies of tom's best-selling book paul a biography and i'm chucking in a copy of my own book 
unbelievable why after 10 years of talking with atheists i'm still a christian as usual you just need to be signed up to our newsletter to be automatically entered do that by the end of july when we'll select the next three winners again it's askntwrite.com and that's your place for more episodes updates bonus video content and entering those prize draws well that's enough of me wittering on let's see what tom has to say in today's edition of the show Welcome back to the show. Today on the programme, we're going to be looking at other faiths. We've got a number of questions about uh, interfaith issues, um, how we should relate, especially when it comes to evangelism and mission and that sort of thing, Tom. Um, I'm sure in some of the roles you've held, you've that's often involved meeting with uh, religious leaders of other kinds. Yes. Um, when I was Bishop of Durham, um, I was involved both with interchurch work, particularly with some of the freer churches and some of my Roman Catholic neighbours, but then also um, at a national and international level with some Christian Jewish work and also some Christian Muslim work. Um, in Durham, there wasn't a large um, presence of, say, Buddhists or Hindus or, or other people from the subcontinent of India, but we did have, interestingly, um, uh, um, a well-known Orthodox Jewish community in Gateshead in the northern part of the D- Durham Diocese. And that was frustrating. I used to meet po- people from there sometimes, but they're very much um, enclosed, keeping themselves to themselves, and indeed apparently not having much contact with other less Orthodox mm. Jewish groups. So th- that that was always something I would pray about and wish we could do more to involve them. And there were little bits of involvement. But, um, yes, in my own work as a, as a biblical scholar, I've often had to work alongside and with Jewish colleagues um, coming at similar questions from very different angles. And then when Rowan Williams was archbishop, he got me involved with some of the Christian-Muslim dialogues that mm. he was doing. So I, I've done a bit of that. Never as much, I have to say, as I might have liked, <clears throat> but I've always learned an enormous amount, and it's been exciting. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, as I say, a number of people wanting to ask questions yeah. about this. Um Eric in Norway, we'll begin with, um, who says, there seems to be very little, apart from the specific doctrines that we hold and our specific ritual practices, that separate us from other belief systems, faith healings, prophecies, speaking in tongues, mystical experiences of something greater, loving one's neighbour, forgiveness, inner peace, formation of character, prayer and a relationship to a God. All of these can be found to some degree or other in other philosophies or religions. Which features of our faith, as lived out in the present, are truly unique and special for Christians? If there are none, then are we condemned to a purely intellectual, i.e. the historical basis is stronger, basis for our <laughs> faith? So um, yeah. Eric apparently yeah. seems to think that there's there's a great deal of commonality and we just yes. really differ in some of the, the, the specific... Yes, uh, Eric has a point. Um, if you go back to the first century and read one of my favourite non-Christian authors from the first century, Epictetus, there are places where Epictetus, who is a kind of a cheerful street-level stoic, there are places where you almost want to put your arm around him and embrace him when he talks about God, even though he's a stoic who believes mm. that God is everywhere and everything is God. Nevertheless, there is a personalness to his God and he has a wonderful prayer invoking this God and thanking him for his goodness, etc., etc., um, and you have a sense, um, are you a crypto-Christian or what? <laughs> you know, because this is not like the atheism that we know in the modern secular world. Mm. And I think it's if you've been soaked in the secular world, as so many of us have been, where just the assumptions of secularity are, are all around us, then when you meet people who seem to have uh, a prayer life, um, a sense of the love of God, etc., 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 you think, oh, well, that's that's what I got from my Christian faith. 
Of course, the difference, and Eric kind of swats it away at the end of his question, <laughs> the difference is Jesus. Right. Um, that for the Christian, um, everything that is true about the God who made the world, and the idea of a God who made the world is not common to all the faiths, of course. Um, everything about that God comes into focus, personal human focus, in Jesus of Nazareth. And more specifically, for the Christian, Jesus' death has accomplished the defeat of the powers of evil so that Jesus' resurrection has launched new creation and that all that we know arising out of that comes from that. And it isn't just, oh, well, we've got some historical background. Um, no, Christianity is about something that has happened in history as a result of which everything is different. Now, people say, well, it doesn't look that different to me. But um, actually, and again, I say as, a, as an ancient historian primarily, uh, I know what the Roman world in the first two or three centuries looked like reasonably well. And I know the impact that is made when you get people living radically differently and of course christianity was born into a world of many faiths mm. it's not just chaps like epictetus but <laughs> there were all sorts of different religions some of them very intense some of them yes involving speaking in tongues or prophesying mm. which is why paul in first corinthians has to say here's the litmus test right if, if somebody thinks that this is the spirit then if they end up saying jesus be cursed then that wasn't the holy spirit <laughs> which shows that there's all kinds of stuff going mm. on mm. and and so we have lived in lived in this world which says um, here is the secular world and there are these religious people mostly Christians we think and then we discover there's all these other people and that, that it's secularism that's actually out of step with, with the rest of the world so we live in a complicated and confusing world but Jesus is at the centre of what Christians believe I suppose the question that, that strikes me Eric is then asking is in a sense well okay granted jesus is is unique in terms of the way we believe god has been revealed to us and and it's through him that we approach god and and so on but if it looks like these other faiths are having broadly similar experiences uh, aren't they just sort of simply doing god their way and we're doing god um, our way again there's a glass half full glass half empty mm. thing and there are passages in scripture which which help us with that like um the story of Naaman the syrian um who suddenly meets the prophet Elisha and gets cured of his leprosy and then has to go back home where he's required to bow down in the temple of Rimmon. And Elisha says, actually, I understand your situation. That's fine. Um, or uh, like Cornelius in the book of Acts, who doesn't know about Jesus, but has been praying to God as best he can. And when Peter comes to him, he says, I see that um, God shows no partiality because in every race, anyone who uh, tries to love him and follow him is is acceptable. Mm. Um, at the same time, you're then on that knife edge where Jesus says, on the one hand, those who are not against us are for us. And then on the other hand, there are mm. other occasions where it's those who are not with us are, are against us. And discerning that difference has always been a tricky part of Christian discipleship. And the danger is that people will use the fact of other faiths, and you know they seem to have this good experience, whatever, as a way of downplaying the distinctiveness of Jesus and mm. saying, well, Jesus was one great teacher, but then there's Buddha and there mm. was Moses and there's mm. Muhammad and so on. And actually, when you look at it, that's not how it works. Okay. It really isn't. And so I think particularly the invention of the idea of faiths which is a modern thing mm. um that's itself part of the secular agenda 
and and the way that the questions come at us is the reflex of that secularity which says secularism is the real thing and there are these funny people who do these funny things mm. and i want to say christian experience it comes in all shapes and sorts and sizes because we're all so different mm. um and trying to judge the truth or validity of Christianity by the sort of experience that it gives me or you or mm. some people is like going for a walk in the hills and taking a compass bearing on a sheep. That sheep is going to be moving around. You better watch out. <laughs> Similar sorts of questions are here, and, and we'll see what your response is. Miriam in York says, My sister is a New Age adherent, and I find that whenever we talk about spirituality, we use much of the same language the universe loves her, God loves me, etc. And we even seem to be in agreement about a lot. Mercy and self-giving love are principles she also follows, for example. I can't really see much of a difference in how we implement those in our lives either. Both of us seem to have arrived at the same way of living life through different means. What I wonder is, how does the work of the Holy Spirit fit into this? Should I at least not be somehow better at this way of life than her, given that we're roughly equal otherwise, but that I have the Holy Spirit guiding me? Not that being better matters, I just want to understand the Holy Spirit's part in all of this. Also made me wonder, if our way of life can be copied without having our faith, then why is membership in God's family a necessary prerequisite for becoming part of his new creation project, so to speak? Yeah, good question. Um, again, using a railway illustration, having just spent a certain amount of time on trains recently, um, if I get a train from Aberdeen to Bristol, uh, quite a bit of the track will be the same track as you'd, uh, you'd be using if you went from Inverness to London. It's coming down the middle of the country a certain mm. way. But your origin is different and your destination is different. The fact that that middle bit, you're on the same track, um, doesn't actually tell you about where this came from or where it's going to. Okay. That's partly helpful. It doesn't mm. get you all the way. Mm. But I think I would say, yes, there are many people, quote, out there, unquote, who will say... Um, uh, like the uh, Jewish teacher who muses about what Jesus says in Mark 12, and Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And he's sort of thinking it through. Mm, it looks as though, and, and there are many, many people in the New Testament times who would see what these early Christians were doing, and perhaps like Gamaliel in the book of Acts say, mm. hmm, this is the kind of movement that might just be from God. So watch out, don't start opposing it. Now, Again, navigating these things is a matter of discernment, but uh, again and again, historically, where Christians have, as it were, said, oh, well, all people of goodwill act this way, so we'll just go with the flow, that may work for a year or for even a generation, mm. but then, as we've seen in our country and our culture, an assumed Christian Britain, which I grew up with, mm. the assumption just gradually turns away, and then people assume, um, well, uh, aren't you coming with us because we're still doing what we think mm. we should? And the Christians have to say, well, sorry, no, we don't we can't cross that, that bridge. That um, but if you've got out of the habit of discerning things Christianly, which means on the basis of Jesus, the Gospels, mm. etc., and prayer for the Spirit, then the facility to say no when it's required may have atrophied. And right. that's, that's a real problem. Yeah. But as I say, in the early church, the reason people became Christians was because these Christian communities were actually living radically differently. That's not to say there weren't other communities that were trying to live differently and that there were some parallels between them. But my goodness, the Christians had 
the inner motivation because they believed that Jesus had defeated evil on the cross so that if people said, well, you can't really sit down and eat with slaves. Oh, yes, we can. They're humans too and Mm. they are part of the family. Mm. Or you can't really treat women as equal. Oh, yes, we can. This is a sister. She's part of the team. Um, And so there's all sorts of things Mm. where again and again Christianity does make a difference when you really follow it through. What you were saying earlier and, and just then made me think as well that sometimes we don't give credit to the fact that the reason someone who says they're a New Age adherent living in 21st century Britain does probably have rather similar values and goals to you is probably because we're soaked in still a Judeo-Christian heritage, well, which has yes. has informed so yes. many of the values that people now think, well, of course we all think uh, that, don't we? Quite, quite. And the answer is we do and we don't. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, Christians differ among themselves, obviously, as sure. well. But part of my trouble in answering that question is that the phrase new age can mean all sorts of things and this was big in the 80s and it seems still to linger on and re-emerge in new ways some new agey stuff is basically pantheistic that 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 god is as this person says god is the the cosmos or the cosmos is god well go back to ancient stoicism it's all there and as i say you'll find epictetus is a good friend um but uh, at a certain point what the new ager can't really have is a serious critique of evil because pantheism and the idea that Mm. god is the cosmos and the cosmos is god then everything that happens is just everything that happens and if there is radical evil and you have to be very naive not to think that there is then what's going to happen about it how does that how do you deal with that I think the thing I've noticed really emerging, you know, you have obviously on one hand the the diehard sort of secularist atheists who are, you know, really naturalistic in their thinking. But I think there's a large middle ground of people who like to call themselves spiritual but not religious and um, who don't want to name a particular religious tradition but but say I I don't disavow the idea of of a sort of transcendence and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and I think that's quite a difficult conversation to have with someone who's neither <laughs> fully against it or on one side, but it's so, sort of, yes, sort of yes. some, some hard to pin down, really, as to what yes. they, they actually and think or it, believe. It, it's funny because, um, yes, I know plenty of people who would come into that category. Mm. And when my publishers recently reissued a, a book that I'd written 25 years ago, the title they gave to the new edition was Spiritual and Religious, <laughs> in order to say, <laughs> actually, guess what? Um, there is a convergence here. Right. And I think the but not religious bit is picking up steam from the kind of rejection of a, of an old-fashioned boring out-of-date mm. tedious churchianity mm. of a previous generation it's it's a way of saying yes i'm a deeply spiritual person of course i don't go to church or any of that but often somebody who's never darkened the doors of a church mm. or not for a long mm. time or maybe only for a wedding or a funeral um and actually <laughs> they would find if they turned up that the religion mm. is now quite different from mm. what they might have thought. Yeah. And that critique of religion as well has a great deal of the sort of 19th century liberal Protestantism about mm. it. Oh, we don't do religion. We do the the, the real thing. Right. And so culturally that sounds appealing, but actually when you cash it out, it's not going to be very satisfying, let alone to do justice to what Christianity is actually all about. Mm. It isn't just about spirituality. It's about new creation and transformation Mm. and us stumblingly finding ourselves caught up in that.
Well, the Ask NT Write Anything podcast is brought to you in partnership with SBCK and NT Write Online. Now, SBCK, Tom's UK publisher, have created a special discount on a selection of Tom's titles. When you buy one, you can get a second half price, and it includes a number of Tom's most popular books in the deal, Surprised by Hope, Simply Jesus, and Simply Christian, to name a few of them. Get the buy one, get one half price offer by going to their website, sbckpublishing.co.uk, then add forward slash ask nt write. That's sbckpublishing.co.uk forward slash ask nt write. Michelle in Surrey says, I have a close friend who's a Muslim. She and her family take their faith very seriously, and from what I can see, it positively shapes their life and is an important part of the way they engage with their wider community. Now, I believe that Jesus is God's son, his unique revelation to us and the true path to relationship with God. And I'd never hesitate in being open with my friend about my own faith. But at the same time, I don't feel that I'm in a position to try to evangelize her in the direction of Christianity. She seems to draw so much from her faith already and would potentially lose so much if she did leave Islam, her community, possibly even her family. Is it wrong for me to be unwilling to evangelize her? (laughs) I would always say this: there's no one-size-fits-all here. And mm. as anyone prays for a friend, and I assume that mm. she does pray for her friend, um, then sometimes opportunities will occur to talk about Jesus, to talk about uh, the differences between the Bible and the Quran, mm. whatever it may be. Um, I have done some work on Christian-Muslim relations, and I have had some Muslim friends um, and yes, I know and respect the ones that I that I have met. At the same time, I know several people who have come from countries like Iran mm. and uh, have, to their own astonishment and alarm, discovered Issa, which is what they call Jesus, um, as a living presence, calling them enticing them with a love which they hadn't experienced this is their own testimony Mm. not mine and just drawing them to say no jesus really is the way the truth and the life and they look back such people at the world of islam that they grown up in um and they they look back and shudder and say that was Mm. that was a dark place and i i needed to get out of this and sometimes that means that they need to get out of the family they need to get out of the country Mm. um uh, I've met some when I was in Durham who were asylum seekers come to this country precisely because mm. they wanted to follow Jesus. Um, and they were prepared to give up everything. And after all, Jesus does say in the New Testament again and again, um, you've got to be ready to give up everything. Mm. It's easy for me to say that, having grown up in a Christian mm. home and in what used to be a Christian country, I haven't had to do that sort of leaving. But that has always been the norm rather than the exception. So, But it is... It's very difficult because, again and again, the place of Jesus is central. Mm -hmm. And over the great um, Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem, it says in Arabic, there is one God and he does not have a son. Because, (laughs) of course, that was a political statement. That was a way of saying we won and the Crusaders didn't. Um, And so we have to get behind that political thing. Mm. This is not a statement about, you know, medieval (laughs) political shenanigans and crusades and so on. The, the, this that distorts the whole thing. Mm. The question is: Is Jesus who we find him to be, or was he just a miscellaneous prophet pointing the way forward to Muhammad instead? Mm. Um, and there, it, it's very hard to see mm. that there's any 
any way of reconciling those two. Absolutely. I suppose Michelle, in a way, wouldn't disagree that yeah. she believes. Yeah. She yeah. says, Jesus, I do so believe in that. Is that I, evangelism. But, but what, yes. what do I do in that case? With someone who is settled and happy sure. and, and for whom moving out of that faith would, would, would be a Would be very wrench. traumatic. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, I mean, of course, most traditional Christians would say, well, but if they stay there and if they say no to Jesus, mm. then they are at risk forever. Right. Um, and that that's a, that's a real problem. However... I would say that the normal way, and this has always been so from the beginning of the church, um, is for the Christian family to live as a Christian family and to go the second mile and to show um, what it means to be hospitable and open, to be prayerful and loving, to be neighborly on the street. Mm. Paul says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Mm. You know, if there's a party going on, go and yeah. celebrate. If there's a funeral, go and, go and cry. Um, and just show the outgoing love which often surprises people mm. until they say hang on what, what, what's different mm. here and it may be as with the railway tracks that for large stretches of the journey there doesn't seem to be too much difference but right. there are places right. where that divergence will come about i don't know if you have a comment on this but i i'm aware of um something called the insider movement in certain parts of the um the arab world no, uh, and this, this well this is the idea that um there are parts of the arab world where um certain muslims have come to believe in jesus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as god's son but they stay within the Muslim community mm-hmm. and um, even going to mosque and taking mm-hmm. part in, you know, the rituals, partly because of the danger mm-hmm. um, of, of potentially sure. disrupting. Um, and that has, I think, people who are very critical of that movement because they believe you're, if you become mm-hmm. a Christian, you should, if you like, be distinctive yep, yep, and yep, come yep, out of that. Yep. And others who say no, I think there are practical reasons why it might make sense for Muslims to be, as it were, undercover believers yes. in, a, in a Muslim society. I understand that. And... I am told that there are similar movements in the Jewish community, mm-hmm. that, that particularly in the Middle East itself, in, in Israel, that there are many, many Orthodox Jews who are actually followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. but who have tried to find ways of, of expressing that and allowing that to happen without breaking with the parent um, Judaism. Of course, the phrase Judaism, the word Judaism is itself a modern, um, a modern idea, really, in, in the meaning we give to it. Um, I respect that. I understand that's difficult. And I want to say, actually, you can see the same negotiation and navigation going on in the New Testament. Um, when Paul comes back from the mission field um, and the, the, the Jewish believers in Jerusalem are horrified to hear what mm. he's been up to, um, it's a matter of how you figure out the way of being authentic and wise and so on. And it took uh, a long time to figure that out in the early church, and we shouldn't be surprised if we run into similar things today. Travis in Montana asks, in a previous episode, when talking about the historical Jesus, Tom mentioned that many historical figures and events are known to us through only one source. Therefore, if we discount the validity of the New Testament as evidence for the historical Jesus, we should also discount a good deal of other ancient history as well. So my question is this. How then can we discount the accuracy of other religious works such as the Quran or the Book of Mormon? How is the New Testament different? So this is moving us into more of a question about the the, the historical basis for mm-hmm. other religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. And if we're prepared to say we should take the New Testament documents seriously as about Jesus, why not yeah. equally apply the same rule to the Quran, Muhammad, yeah, I, and uh, I, Joseph Smith. I confess, and I confess I've only once read the Quran through cover to cover, mm-hmm. and that was some years ago, and I'm not familiar in a detailed way with it, and I confess I've never read the Book of Mormon. Okay. Um, but I notice that when people talk about 
the Bible and other sacred texts. They often talk about, for instance, the Bhagavad Gita, which, again, I've only skimmed through. Um, or there was recently um, the philosopher A.C. Grayling, who's a leading atheist, produced a, a, a secular Bible or an atheist Bible. Yes, what, he, he, I think it was called something like The Good Book. Um, something but, like but that. It was essentially drawing in lots of sort yeah. of Greek and exactly, Roman sort exactly. of wisdom. And well, one whatever. wise reviewer of that said what I would want to say about the Book of Mormon and indeed the Quran on quite a different level, that they aren't the same kind of thing. Mm. The Bible as Christians have it, which is those two very different bits, the, the ancient Israelite um, narratives, etc., and then the early Christian texts, is telling a story. And the way we have the canon at the moment, it is a specific narrative about how the creator God has worked his purposes out and then astonishingly and shockingly has brought them to their dramatic conclusion with Jesus and has launched a whole new movement. And it's not a book of general religious instruction the general religious instruction comes along with the fact that this is the true story of the world and it comes with an implicit invitation so now get on board with this story and make it your own mm. become part of this story in a way which the book of mormon or that that atheistic good book or whatever mm. simply aren't doing there's they're saying here's good advice for how to reorder your life now as i say i don't know mormonism mm. hardly mm. at all mm. but um uh the, the so this is rather like, just as we say, other faiths in this sort of post-18th century way. So the idea of other other sacred books is is a bit deceitful because the Bible isn't actually yes. like those other books. The, the other thing I've often felt is Christianity from its inception was a, a public religion in the sense of it was attesting to public events. Absolutely. Whereas yeah. I often find other books are, are by nature different. The Quran is about private angelic sort of um, revelations, like revelations yes, yes, to Muhammad. Yes. Same with the Book of Mormon, essentially. The right, discovery right, right. Of, of these gold plates and uh, right, translating right. them all happen in a private sort of way. Right, right. Um, and indeed, you could say that other religious traditions are, are, in a sense, more mystical, visionary, and so on. Yes, yes. Whereas I've always felt Christianity is rather different to that in as much well, as it makes a very specific claim about events that were open to the public. Absolutely. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and mm. we beheld his glory. Um, and uh, yes, in the book of Acts, it says, you know, these events were not done in a corner. The, mm. the, this, this is going on. Everybody in Jerusalem knows exactly what was happening. Um, the word has got out. Um, and so it's the publicness and the historicalness and the fact that the history is what it's all about. The history is not an illustration of something else. Mm. Um, we believe in the creator God who has rescued the world, is rescuing the world, and will rescue the world, rather than a God who wants to give us mystical or spiritual experiences. And again, sorry to sound like a, a, a cracked record, this is back to the way our culture has perceived religion and spirituality, as though this is really all about me having an experience and what stories do I have to tell to facilitate or sustain this experience. And it really isn't about that at all. Experiences come and go um, as easily as catching a cold or whatever. Um, what matters is here is the historical and historic event of Jesus and here is the historical me right now what am I doing today mm. with my own self my own person and my own community that is part of this new creation project final question from Fred in uh, Ontario Canada says Justin and Tom first of all I want to say thank you have greatly benefited from the material you guys put out. Thank you, Fred. 
Um, I was wondering what Tom has to say about those who have never heard of the gospel. The famous John 3.16 has, in a sense, two paths. Those that believe in Christ will have eternal life, and then those that reject him will perish. But what about the third group, those who have never heard about the gospel or Jesus? I know Romans 1 comes to mind about humanity exchanging the truth of God for a lie. But don't you think many humans do this unconsciously through their sinful nature? I know this isn't a simple one sentence answer, <laughs> but I do appreciate any feedback. And in a way, it's a, it's a question that's been asked in, in many different of ways. Course, and we've even tackled it, I think, on a previous podcast yeah. in, in some form or another. But yeah, and it, what about those who simply have never heard, I suppose? Yeah. In, in a way... I just want to say this is above my pay grade. This is God's job, not mine. <laughs> okay. um, fortunately, I am not the Archangel Gabriel <laughs> sitting there at the judgment seat. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm actually equally worried about people who think they've heard because they went to Sunday school as a child or right. whatever and say, oh, yeah, that Jesus stuff, I heard all that. Mm. But in fact, what they heard was so unlike mm. the reality of the actual Christian gospel that it's put them off without giving them a real taste of the but real they thing. They still remain, in a sense, unreached because well, they never it, it, Exactly. They, they never it, had yeah. the real thing yeah. and they never saw the real thing. And um, part of the... Christian doctrine of creation is that God is the God of generous outgoing love and I think though it's hard to generalize from that as though we know everything about generous love and so we can say well because we know what generous love is and because God is that therefore bum, 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 we always have to be careful of statements which end up saying therefore God must dot 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 mm. and I, I don't think there's any any moment at when we can say God must mm. um, do this or that because we've generalized however what we see in Jesus again and again is Jesus, use the cliches, including the people who other people had excluded, um, the tax collectors and the prostitutes going into the kingdom of heaven before you, you self-righteous ones. So that at any point when we think, okay, we have this comfortable closed circle and it's us and too bad about those outside, mm. then watch out. That's the mm. point at which Jesus comes knocking on the door and says, guess who I'm bringing to this party? <laughs> um, at the same time, Jesus himself and the rest of the New Testament as well have plenty of warnings about people either who presume to be all right or who ignore what's before them. You know, he says, can't you read the signs of the times? This is, um, this, this is not rocket science. Um, if, if, if there's a wind from the south, you say it's going to be hot. Well, of course, if there's a wind from the south, it's going to be hot. So can't you see what's going on? And if people say, no, I just can't see. I'm putting the telescope to my blind mm. eye. Then watch out because God's moment is here upon you and you really might miss out. Mm. So it's, that's a delicate yeah. balance between the two. I mean, my, my response to this is often simply, well, like you, I'm not God. All I know is he'll be more just and more merciful than I could ever hope well, to be. Yes. Uh, but I do know what he has asked me to do, which is to oh, invite yeah. everyone that I can uh, into, this, into this path, this relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And, and that invitation comes in as many different forms as there are people um you know i i i admire those who can somehow use the same evangelistic chat up line um <laughs> with everybody they meet but it seems to me you have to have a very particular thick skin temperament to be able to do that <laughs> i have found over the years that because everybody i meet is is interestingly different from all the other people i've met i will wait and pray and watch and see what the right way is with this person mm. and often the right way for a day or a week or a year is simply to get to know them to love them to pray for them to be friendly and then see how the spirit takes you on from there i'll become all things to all people well, that well, i may win some exactly it's first <laughs> corinthians 9 yeah
Good. Thank you very much, Tom. It's been Thank you. really interesting. Uh, and we'll be back with another episode of the podcast very soon. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us and send your questions in by registering. As usual, the website is askntright.com. For now, Tom, thanks for being with Thank me. Thank you very much. Hope today's episode has been helpful for you and that we'll see you for the next one. Next time, it's heaven and hell that we're asking your questions about. Look out for that in your podcast feed. And don't forget to book in for this year's unbelievable conference less than three weeks away now, premierchristianradio.com forward slash unbelievable conference. If you enjoy the Ask NT Write Anything podcast, I think you'll love the unbelievable conference. As ever, you can get more from this podcast by subscribing to the newsletter for bonus video content, exclusive updates and access to the latest book giveaway as well. Uh, we've got three signed copies of Paul, a biography by Tom, plus my own book, Unbelievable, that we'll chuck in as well. Just get subscribed before the end of July at askntwrite.com and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Ask NT Write Anything podcast. Let other people know about this show by rating and reviewing it in your podcast provider. For more podcasts from Premier, visit premier.org.uk slash podcasts.